The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Oh, I love that sound, don't you guys? Music hey, to your ears. Everybody, welcome to The Winemakers. I'm John Myers. I'm sitting here with my extremely good friend, Marcia Maycumber, today. Good morning, John. How are you doing, kiddo? It's actually afternoon. But... Oh, you're right. Legally, it is. It's 12-11, and we are at the Adobe with Bob Cabral and Ryan Pritchard, and Steve, and we're going to do, uh, Steve, I missed your last name, so pipe up. Gerstle's my last name. Okay, there we go. And uh, we're going to do a tasting today because we just haven't done that before. And um, normally we're sitting around the table at my place and we are tasting wines. Everybody brings something. And Bob, you've been there a couple times. You With your dog. Yeah, with, with Molly. The <laughs> Molly, Molly comes up and makes sure everything tastes, nothing's corked. And of course, we're not doing it today because Joan owns the living room for the next few months, having had a little accident down in LA. But uh, yeah, I well, hope she gets better. Yeah, well, so soon. do I, Bob. Soon, soon, and soon. thank you so much for, believe me. So how, tell me about the history of the adobe first because it's incredibly beautiful thank you yeah it's a very historic property um when you walk into it you're walking into an adobe building that was built in 1842 right when the town of sonoma was formed <laughs> sounds um, like my place right? <laughs> <laughs> i know my plum- my plumbing is yeah, from 1842 <laughs> Um, yeah, it's the last uh, remaining of a, basically a subdivision of adobes that was built to draw people into what was then a brand new town of Sonoma. Amazing, isn't it? You know, and, and the redo took how long? It was a two-year process, right? It was, uh, Did you see it all the way through, Steve? No, i lucky I got here once all that stuff was taken care of. Well, uh, you know, they... they kept all the original plants outside so these cactus and things are 150 plus years old there are some that's amazing and it's so beautiful inside and you're right it's pretty amazing that we're across the street from girl in the fig shout out to Sandra Bernstein and yeah. the girl in the fig, of course, really good friends of the show. Is she delivering lunch today? Or <laughs> I, you know, a, a, actually, sorry, um, you know where I'm coming from. Brian too. is uh, having lunch oh. with her. Okay, and he better get his ass over here. <laughs> okay, really, Bring really some quickly. At least. <laughs> and uh, I asked him to uh, ask her if she would like to come over. There you go. So you know, it's it's all big community here. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know. Um, I kind of stumbled into your place leaving the girl in fig. I thought, well, you know, I haven't been in, so I might as well go. And then we just started to kind of know each other. And, and Bob has been on twice, certainly two of our highest rated shows. They were really, really well done. They were a lot of fun. 
and uh, so congratulations. And and Steve, I'm glad that you um, got here after the construction. You, did, you didn't have to do the heavy list, lifting, exactly. but but today we're going to do a pouring and a tasting. So, uh, what gentleman is first up? So this is our Castagnata Rosé. Oh, this the Castagnatas were created for the Adobe, and they are field blends from our Durrell Vineyard. I'm going to let Bob and Ryan uh, talk a little bit about how that's made, but it's one Absolutely. of our most anticipated releases of the year. Hey, Steve, how about a little bit of history, the name Castagnata? Thank you, Bob. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Senior Don Juan Castaneda was actually the first resident of this adobe, and he was actually an aide to General Mariano Vallejo, who was the governor of this Nice job if you can get it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Honest to God. And the story we've heard is that the general sent Senior Castaneda back to Mexico to get some money so he could pay his troops. But Senor Castaneda found out when he got to Mexico City that the Mexicans really had no interest in sending any more money <laughs> to California. So he just kept the money and, uh, and opened the winery. Well, there was no more money, but there was no reason for him to come back either. So, Well, yeah. and so it was abandoned? And for uh, how, what was it before you guys took over? It had been a private home for 170 years. You're kidding me. Somebody Which, lived here. Somebody lived here. The now, woman, that's one lucky person and if you saw the foyer outside one of the bathrooms up front there it's about i don't know eight by eight something like that it was the master bedroom oh, oh really yes yeah well yeah. Yeah. talk about huge yeah. it's a it's, marcia have you ever been here before i haven't of course i've driven by a million times but i haven't actually had a chance to come inside and it's gorgeous so welcome so yeah. yes thank you so much uh, i really enjoy uh uh, visiting, and you can certainly see, um, you know, how it provides such an attractive setting for tasting your wines. Um, really sets the stage perfectly. So I, I couldn't say it any better. <laughs> but we need a glass of wine from Arsha because oh, this there we go. Yeah. is absolutely. St oh, you got one. There you go. Cheers. There we go. I'll try not to break your crystal. <laughs> okay, I break two or three, I think, every tasting I show up. I'm afraid to taste anymore. Well, have you ever done a tasting here? Oh, oh, yeah, I've done a couple. couple dinners and, um, you know, a couple lunches. I've got, we've got some customers that love to come up here and just kind of hang out on the weekends and stuff. And well, I could do that. I could, I could give you a really quick story. Please. I, you know, I, it was a Sunday, and I was... Um, uh, I had had done some auction lots, and I needed some signatures from actually one of our customers, Sammy Hagar. Sammy and, and Kari live down in in um, Cabo. No, no, no. Oh, he he lives in Mill Valley, and but they visit Cabo quite a bit. Well, actually, he just got back from Cabo. So both I, both addresses are nice. Yes, I'll absolutely. just say that. And Sammy Hagar does yeah. have a slight reputation. So. Yeah. So he, um, I said, so I was driving through San Francisco and coming up the 101, and I was uh, talking to him on the phone. I said, hey, uh, you know, do you want me to just stop by the studio in San Rafael? And I need these guitar signs, some CDs and stuff that we'd done for some children's <laughs> oh, charity yeah. auctions. And, and, well, and you're you big know. in that. Yeah, no, no. And Sam's really great about doing that stuff. And it was stuff for Three Sticks. And he goes, you know, I've never been up to Three Sticks 
Um, and I said, great, another friend of yours is gonna is here on Sunday with celebrating his wife's birthday with her parents and a couple other friends. And it was Trey Cool, the drummer for Green Day. There you go. So uh, we decided to meet Green here Day around Van Halen. That's it. <laughs> and uh, so I'm at home, and it takes me. I live up in Healdsburg, up in Dry Creek, and it takes me a good hour, hour and fifteen to get down here. And um, I said to my daughter, who this was about a year ago, was fifteen, and I said, "So we're going to head down to the Adobe for a couple hours. Do you want to come with us, or kind of hang out, or what do you want to do?" She goes, "Well, who's going to be there?" And I said, "Well, we're meeting Sam and Kari." And you got to remember, Paige met Sam when she was like three or four years old, and grew up with his daughter Samantha, and you know, we we've known each other for for many years now. And she was like, "Well, you know, I think I'll just hang with. We have a great Dane, Roxy." I'll just hang with Roxy and, you know, tell Sam I said hello. And I go, and there's some other guy. Uh, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, Trey. Cool. He's a drummer. And she goes, for Green Day? And I said, yeah. And so she shot upstairs and came back down, had makeup on, a, a scarf, a, you know, a special vest. And so she was pretty smitten sitting kind of where Steve is sitting at the table today. And, and, um, we all just sat around here and just drank wine and talked and well, that's it was the just idea. it was it was so much fun. It was one of the most comfortable. You'd have thought we were in somebody's home, seriously. And we were and that's how we and I the reason I tell the story is because that's what the staff at the Adobe does is they try to make you feel like you're at home. You want to be comfortable. And we don't want this to be pretentious. We want you to have fun enjoying the wines. And we want to know who you are as much as I think you want to know who we are. And it's, it's about getting to know people, not just tasting wine. You know, there's a lot more to life than just tasting wine. And, and right. I think that's what... And Trey comes back up here periodically because I know Kate, our, our uh, manager of the Adobe, she's got a pair of drumsticks on her desk. And well, so, and, and you know, he, I know he likes to come up here and hang out. You witnessed the generation gap there. Yeah. Sammy Hagar. Yeah. No green day. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And, exactly. and my son would say green day. Mm-hmm. They, they sold out. Right. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, he's so cynical about, you know, me. for a couple hundred Amazing. million dollars, I would do it too. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, absolutely. It doesn't even it, have to be that level. Yeah. Bob. <laughs> me neither. I, a couple million. I'd, I'd sell out. So. so, you know, um, so tell us about the Rose. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll start off with this. So the Rose uh, is one of our Castagnetta family. Like we were talking about, it's a, it's a wine really made for the adobe. Um, it's it's in a really cool kind of old spirits bottle. See, yeah, that's what I like about it yeah. too. You know, it's so we we do it's a beautiful wine. Thank you. It's 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 really it's meant to be enjoyed uh, outside here. We have a, a lot of wonderful outdoor space here uh, at the adobe. So uh, it's a wine that we greet people with when they come in. You walk in the door, you get handed this. Uh, sometimes we'll do our white. Sometimes we'll do our red, depending on the time of year. And, uh, and really, it's just kind of uh, an introduction to the adobe and an introduction to our wines. And there's nothing quite like being able to 
you know, go into somebody's home, enjoy a beautiful courtyard yard like you have here, yeah. and just kind of kick back, enjoy the beautiful sunshine and the weather and the ambiance of a 142-year-old <laughs> build, something like that. I'm not fast on math. You know, and <laughs> sit back enough. with your friends with a beautiful glass of rosé yeah. and just soak it in. It's great it, for that. And and one thing that's a little bit unique about this wine, we make primarily Pinot Noir and Chardonnay at Three Sticks, but we do a couple of other a couple of other varieties. Um, the Castagnatas are all Rhone based varieties. So uh, the Castagnata Red is a field blend of Syrah, Grenache, Marsan, Viognier. It's beautiful. It's about thirty percent white grapes. And uh, see, that's amazing to me. Yeah, that, that you know, I've seen Viognier added to red wine, but not at a thirty percent level. In at thirty percent, it's a. Uh, so, it, who was the creative genius behind that, Mr. Cabral? Or oh, no, 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 no. I think that, that was more Ryan? like Don Van Stavren, yeah, um, uh, the us. winemaker that was here before Ryan and I. Um, I mean, still one of my heroes, Don. Don's a master. He, you know, he put Saint Jean on the map. I mean, let's face it. He, he, and Dick Arrowwood. He was. Dick's assistant, and behind every great oh, that, wine... That goes back a ways. It does, exactly. <laughs> and and Don, I think, came up with this idea. He knew the Durrell Ranch really well and just said, let's kind of try this and... No, yeah, nobody it, tripped over something and, and, you know, the red spilled in with the whites <laughs> right. and you went, wait, wait, we have something here. Well, it's I, funny. Every, I've seen that happen. Every, <laughs> every year we when we have our, our uh, sorters on the line, you know, there's always a couple new people in there and, and they see these white grapes coming down the sorting line with the red and they, they all start screaming, wait, wait, stop Freaking the line. Yeah. You know, there's all white in here. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. We, well, you know, nobody really, or it's a, a well-known secret. Um, that all grapes, except for what, Alicante, Boucher? Anything um, Tinturier. Anything Tinturier. So at that point, all the juice is white. It only gets red by being put on the skins. Yeah, Yeah, I I think there's Royalty, Alicante. There's about six red-juiced varietals, but six in the whole world versus there's got to be, you know, oh my gosh, thousands of I was going to say, how many varieties of grapes are there in the world? Yeah, there's got to be... Isn't it something like 7,000 worldwide? Yeah. It, it's, yeah. I'd like to or taste variations them all. Of- yeah. Maybe, Ryan, can we, can we get yeah. a program that we <laughs> yeah. just start tasting and we start next week? You have a lot of shows to do still, John. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Uh, Rosé has exploded over the last couple of years. It really has, yeah. It used to be Again. just cheap, cheap. Come on, John. For- Again. Well, when, We've w- seen w- this before, when, haven't when, you? When was it huge? Oh, well, well we used to call it White's Inn back in the late 70s. <laughs> oh, that's and right. 80s. That's right. No, but, seriously, we saved a lot of 180, 100-year-old oh, Zen sure. vines because we couldn't sell dry red wine. And, you but know, now you can sell, now you ro- can sell dry rosé instead of But essentially, yeah. you know, even the color of this is about the color, the c- color of the Castagnana red or rosé is about the color of the Deloach White Zen we used to make out of like 80-year-old Zins. Back in the 80s, I, I started working at Deloach in 86. So, you know, it had color, it had flavor, it had a little bit of tannin. I think what we're seeing today is this resurrection of a lot of saignet or bleed. It t- tends to be a lot lighter, you know, a little bit sweet, a little bit fruitier. Um, it's nice. So, 
you know, really I think is. rosés, there, there's so many variations of them now. It's really great because I think the consumer has, especially if we put it in clear bottles, they get an idea of the intensity of the, of, of the wine. Well, it's, it's certainly popular. Um, it's only going to be 72 today, but we have so many 96-degree days, and that's when rosé really shines. That's, I mean, I was, uh, John and I were over at Marsh's in her cart yard um, the other day. Now, what do I bring? A red, okay. <laughs> what does she have? Cold rosé, okay. You know, and I'm just, you know, I, I'm still learning. I'm I, when I moved out here um, full time eight years ago, uh, I was a, a cab drinker because in Chicago, pretty much that's what's sold. And I had never heard of Rhone wine until I went to the Girl and the Fig and got turned on to Grenache Syrah Mavedra, on and on and on, and then spent six weeks in the south of France in Avignon, and that's when I really got into it. So, but um, tell us a little bit about the the place that this wine comes from and how the taste reflects that place. Absolutely, yeah. So this is a, uh, it's, it's unique in that it's, you know, a Rhone wine. It's also a Durrell Vineyard wine. So, uh, Three Sticks started uh, with the Durrell Vineyard. Uh, Bill Price purchased it in '97. And where is that? What AVA? It's uh, well, it's actually in three AVAs. So okay. it's it's uh, it's Sonoma Valley, it's Sonoma Coast, and it's Carneros. So it's right on the west on the west You're right down side. right down by the bay. Then it's or get, close. it's close to there. It's in the yeah. foothills there, over off of Arnold there, uh, okay. on the west side of town, southwest side of town. So. Okay. Um, yeah, it's kind of unique. You you get all you get this Petaluma influence, uh, you know, Petaluma Gap influence, and that's really important. It is um, having started to you know educate my palate, and it's because of people like Bob and Brian Casey and and other friends and and Marcia too. Um, it really comes down to you you start to notice things that were in the fog layer and a little cooler and w where it was grown. Yeah. It's amazing. The soil difference. Too. Well, and, and that's, that's what's really unique about Durrell is it, it's in these three different AVAs, um, you know, from a regulation standpoint, but it also has so many different soil types. It's got river bottom. It's got hillside volcanic. It's, it's a, within that one vineyard, we get to work with pretty much that's all different. That's so cool. Soil types. I love volcanic soil. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, yeah. That's... Well, we wouldn't have the planet without it. That's right. We wouldn't have Hawaii without it right. either. And I love diving in, in Hawaii. I would love to get up close, but you can't. That's... Not to what's going on now. Nope. I have seen small lava flows before. But nothing like's going on you, now. You don't want those uh, those things come crashing through your boat when you're in uh, in looking no, at it. No, <laughs> and, and and you don't want to be scuba diving around there no. either. So I think <laughs> I, I think it's off limits. So, so it's the soil and the weather that really gives this particular wine, your rosé. Yeah. So, so the, the character. Absolutely, and and this is from the the sort of the flatter area, the um, um, sort of valley floor there, right as you're getting into the foothills. So uh, it's really 
well suited for that, you know, that So your yields are a bit bigger on the flats. A little bit, um, but but pretty much everything out at Durrell is low, uh, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, Why is that's, that? that's kind of what, well, because it's so, it's, uh, when he says river, bo- it's gravel. Uh, it's not really soil. What do you call it? What do you call <laughs> you know, low? Two tons an acre? Max. Yeah, low. Max. Yeah, max. Okay. Well, I mean, even on some of the hillsides where the it goes into that kind of red and brown volcanic clays, we'll, we'll get a little bit bigger yields on some of those shards. We were looking mm-hmm. at uh, some clones this morning, the Mount Eden clone. We have a block uh, kind of up in this bowl, uh, probably elevation 350 feet, yeah. something like that. And uh, the Mount Eden, the uh, Ruid clone, yeah, there's probably four times to the acre out there. I mean, they're nice, yeah, well, big, healthy vines. Let's so. take a trip to Central yeah. Coast where they just grow everything. Right. What are the big tons uh, down there? What are they getting? Uh, well, I know of a vineyard, you know, near Hollister that on, on the, uh, the right trellising system could get eight, ten tons to the acre. And, Chardonnay and Pinot. And is I was going to say down there, they, they could get upwards of 12 to 14 on certain things. Yeah. I mean, that you know, I mean, that's going to be, be good. Turning, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but it, but it definitely <laughs> suffices those, you know, I know it goes into programs like the Pinot Noir goes into programs between 10 and about $20 a, a bottle. So it's, there you go. You know, and, and there's a lot of different clones. It's very cold down there, so they still maintain their acids. But, like, when we're done picking up here, they're still picking in, you know, late October, early November. And well, a lot of it's mechanically harvested down there. Now that you've said harvesting, mm-hmm. how's it looking out there? It's, it's, uh, it's great. It's, uh, you know, we've had, we were just out there today, actually, and, you know, yields look pretty good uh, across the board and uh, getting good duration now. And yeah, it's, it's slow. It's, mm-hmm. it's great. Well, it's, it's cool. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it's have, what, 72 today. I mean, I think the fog just burned off outside yeah. now and it's noon, <laughs> you know, and, and we're going to, it's going to be 75, 76. Yeah, max. And, and then, you know, get cold again. It'll be 60 again by seven o'clock. You know, it's great. Big acids right now. The samples we pulled this morning were at 22. We had two tanks at like, or two blocks at about 22.3, 22.5. pHs are in the 3.2 range. The one younger block of Calera up on a hill was at uh, 23.5. Uh, pH was 3.56. So it's, it's getting so, there. It used you know? to be only bricks. Mm-hmm. Now it seems like people are talking pH a lot more. Mm-hmm. What's well, more? I was telling our interns today, Ryan had. We were explaining to them why we're we're sampling and where you sample and and what we're trying to accomplish, what to look for in uh, in the vine physiology. You know, are the canes nice and lignified or turning brown? They're not green anymore. Everything you grow is trellised. Yeah, correct? yeah, okay. it's it's up on uh, trellis systems. Okay. So. And, um, you know, I said we're, we're going to look at uh, primarily pH and titratable acidity and, and then phenolic ripeness. So, you know, eat some, some berries and then spit the seeds into your hand and look at the color of the seeds. And they go from kind of green to golden to brown. And I think some winemakers forget that there's a lot of tannin in those seeds as oh, well. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's where you want a certain amount of that extraction. 
So if you've got green seeds, you're going to get green tannins. Also, chew on the skins. And do they taste astringent or do they taste bitter and unripe? Marcia, do you have to do that with Peter? No. He does, <laughs> he does all of that. But I do sample the grapes and I yeah. just enjoy them because right yeah. now, yeah. right now they're just fantastic. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're starting to get really but sweet you, and, right. and, and the acids are still up in them. And so for us, what we're seeing is, um, phenolic or flavor development much quicker than sugar, sugar accumulation. So, you know, here in California, if you, if you don't have enough sugar, we can add concentrates or there's ways of, of compensating for that. If there's too much sugar, there's ways of compensating with, for that. So it's more about finding that balance in between of acid, um, flavor, um, ripeness. It is a balance. Yeah. That, that is the number one word. And yes. sugar is only one number of like right. six really important numbers. And, and none of them are more important than the other. You know, they, they're equally important. And it's those ratios. And of course... My mention of Peter is a shout out to Peter Mathis of Mathis Mathis Grenache fame, Uber Blend, and what else is he making now? Well, of course, a rosé also, a rosé <laughs> de Grenache. There you go. Okay, everybody's making a rosé. So, <laughs> well, okay, guys, what what would you pour next, Steve? Well, in I'm a gonna, regular tasting, I'm going to pour two different 2016 Chardonnays. Um, good. Okay. I, I, you know, that's and, that's one thing. Hey, where's I, your cohorts? Hey, you call know, Sandra. Uh, tell her to get some food to go and bring it over. You know. You know what? <laughs> At this point, it's my show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I don't think it's going bad. Either. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, things can go south really fast. Um, you know, I'm just glad that uh, all the especially equi- with Sam and Brian in the room. Huh? Well, and so see, we might as well take advantage of it right you've now. You've right? been there, yeah. okay? You've seen what can happen after two shows and a lot of wine. So it's very interesting. Thank you so much, Ryan. I think it's called the edit button. Um, you know, and and we've never edited. No, I know. That's what's, that, that's what's funny about the um, whole thing. And. Uh, you know, being being on this podcast network uh, called Radio Misfits, the gentleman who runs it, Ed Silla, was my IT guy at the advertising agency for um, 15 years. Uh, he worked for my wife for another 15 years. So, he, you know, he's such an old friend. He got into this early, and, and I've always kept my hand in radio, even though I was doing the ad agency, and it... And it and it paid off. You know, you meet people once again, just like now. Huh? And um, it, it, it becomes a network and you, um, you, you try and take advantage of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, Brian will be here, I can guarantee. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm- <laughs> Sam, Sam, I'm not so sure about yeah. it. Sam, I'm so, so, so. now, on the other hand, you know, um, I don't, maybe I'm speaking out of school, but. Sam's wife is pregnant, and maybe he has something to do. You might need that edit button. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. If he wants it taken out, he can edit it himself. There, there okay, you, go. you know we don't have. We've never had to edit anything. So, okay. Tell tell me about the shards. So you've got two different 2016 Chardonnays. They both come from Bill Price's vineyards here in Sonoma, but. They are made completely differently, and I'm going to let 
Ryan take over again to explain the two. Absolutely. So the first wine we're going to be tasting is the uh, the Sonoma Coast Chardonnay. It's our origin Chardonnay, uh, and it's a Durrell Vineyard Chardonnay as well. So same. Um, it's actually pretty darn close. The the fruit comes pretty close to where we get our Castagnana Red. Um, one component of that. And the origin is unique because it's fermented in concrete, concrete eggs. Excellent. And uh, not overly oaked. Then. It's zeroly oaked. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you you know you remember it's eggs. Been <laughs> egg. You know you're not old enough to remember the eighties. It used to be. Oh God, this Chardonnay is so oaky and buttery. <laughs> right. You know it was awful. No. When it's crisp and clean and beautiful. It makes a difference. It's you know one thing we we really strive for with this wine is we want it to have some of the texture of oak, uh, some of the textures of a, a wine that's been fermented in oak. So we we you know age it on its lees, we stir the lees in, in inside the, uh, okay. the egg, and and that gets that texture. And but we but well, we want a beautiful mouthfeel too. Yeah, you know that's that is key for me. Um, We've had a we've had a guest repeatedly on the radio, who always says, um, "I blend for smoothness." <laughs> and unfortunately, what I really want to say, but I can't, is you've blended everything out, out of, of it yeah. Yeah. until it's just basically flabby. But that that's possible. But every winemaker has different appeals and yeah. different visions. Yeah. So that's why. All Chardonnays are different. All rosés can be different. They're, they're making it for what they want. Some want more smooth. Some want a little bit more on the edges. I'm edgier. Yeah. That's I, well, I, I think balance is key, really. Yeah. You, want, you want that acidity. You want some of that smoothness in there, uh, some of the mouthfeel. Um, you, you, for me, doing it one way only doesn't give something uh, of, of full pleasure. It, it might be interesting, but... Well, you know, you're right in that Chardonnay area. I mean, that's just the perfect place to grow it. It and is. I guess I guess they grow a little Pinot down there and, you know... <laughs> Syrah. A little bit. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Don's wife, Margot, who's still the winemaker at uh, St. Jean, makes a beautiful Durrell Syrah. You know, yeah. I've got to admit that yesterday at uh, with uh, Steve and Mike San Giacomo... Um, we were talking about Syrah, and they were just saying, "Oh yeah, we thought that was going to be another hit, you know." And but I buy it. I, I buy Syrahs. I buy GSM blends. I, so I mean, I'm totally into it. It's going to take another sideways going the other way that does does the <laughs> yeah. exalt Syrah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You know, same or, same or, thing for Grenache and other other varieties that haven't yet seen great recognition or product placement on like the housewives of whatever they're <laughs> wherever they're the housewives and of, what are you we know? drinking tonight oh yeah. you don't want to know i'm drinking so yeah. <laughs> so nonetheless this is beautiful yeah so thanks. tell me about the magic that happens once you get these grapes in and your winemaking stuff because we, we want to talk about land Mm-hmm. And we want to talk about the fruit that you get, but I, I'll jump ahead a little bit to your winemaking style on this particular wine. Yeah, so when we bring this into the winery, it, it sees no sulfur, um, so, and we whole cluster direct to press. So our goal, you know, get it pressed off, 
um, will leave it on its full gross lees um, and put that straight into straight into the eggs, and uh, and we'll let it ferment there. Um, this is about half natural native yeast and then half commercial Excellent. yeast on that. Good, uh, and and we'll do a mix. So, well, what is it that makes a difference when you can actually bank on using natural yeasts? Um, you know, the natural yeast adds a really nice complexity to the to the wine. It adds a little bit of nuance. Um, there are certain characteristics that we're looking for with this wine that that uh, commercial yeasts, you know, give us as well, which would, you know, as a component, we really like. But the commercial yeasts are a little more predictable, too. Mm-hmm. So we know that we're going to get kind of those flavors regardless of what Mother Nature gives you. You know, they're known for high esters or high mouthfeel. It just... You know, that's that's as they've isolated these yeast. And, you know, I think the public sometimes thinks that, that the, you know, natural yeast and, and commercial yeast, the commercial yeast we use are natural yeast. They're just isolated from vineyards and purified cultures. They're not GMO'd. They're, you know, we, we, we good. don't, we don't good, you know, good. mess with the genes or anything, <laughs> but we get pure cultures that allow, there are genetic modified yeast but use and bacteria but they use those mainly in the biomedical field to to make serums and things like that but in the food industry we don't need that we want some complexity especially in the wine industry we want to see a lot of different flavors and different things what the purified yeast do is just give us better predictability so how does this particular what are we drinking vintage wise 2016 mm-hmm. yeah 2016 so how does that compare to 2015 same, close, different. So, I mean, t- 2016 was was a sort of a uh, an easy and wonderful harvest all throughout. Whereas 15 was a little bit a little bit tricky. Set was a little bit tricky in 2015. Um, so our yields were down. 2016, our yields were a little bit more closer to normal. Uh, and and what we're seeing with the wines coming out of 16 is they're just really opulent and really for I mean we you pop any of those bottles now and they're showing beautifully right off the bat whereas 15s took a little bit more time to kind of come into their own uh, and I think that's a, a, a product of the harvest season uh, 16 was this nice it, you know we we had 25 percent of our fruit um, in and pressed off before the next 75% came on. Usually it comes in and, you know, you start filling and it just sort of comes in methodically. But uh, we had this, it was warmer and then it cooled off, this big cooling spell in 16. So it was, you know, just, we were kind of waiting around in the winery thinking, when when's this next fruit going to come off? Well, I like the difference in vintages. Do you remember anybody who ever carried a, a card in their wallet of, French vintages. <laughs> oh, yes, this was spectacular. This was crappy, you know, et cetera. Yeah. That was a Chicago thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have, I actually have seen one. You know, it was, it was like, I don't want my wine to taste the same every year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it that eliminates the essence of place and time and what the season was and all of that. So. It's a different product at that point. Yeah, I, I think a lot it of is. what we're trying to accomplish here in the North Coast is really, you know, you want to embrace vintage variation and, and, you know, accentuate the attributes and try to hide the defects as much as you can. And And that's what's kind of fun is playing those chess games during the harvest each year. And you never know what little... little uh, 
move that Mother Nature is going to pull on you. All of a sudden, it's 112 out for three days. <laughs> there or, you go. And then it rains two <laughs> days later. And you yeah. go, okay, well, think, well, that was interesting. <laughs> I don't think what you have any uh, danger of that at the moment. No. We'll knock on wood for that, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. It's like wind and rain during, um, you know... It, Bad chatter, you know. So. <laughs> the Hawaiian Islands haven't had a hurricane also in 23 years. And, you know, seeing um, Lane, Lane is Man, they hitting, are, they're, they're getting pummeled. Yeah. I mean, if you're on the big island, it's like, move to Kauai. I was just saying 150 mile an hour winds yeah. this morning there. So yeah. they're getting whacked. They're talking 20 inches of rain in less than 24 hours. I saw, on the big f- island. I saw 14 yeah. inches of rain on Maui one time diving. Yeah. And yeah. when we went out after that it was absolutely stunning oh i can only imagine you know every fish every eel Mm -hmm. every every moray eel that i wanted to avoid was right where i was i was crawling on the rocks it was amazing so now steve you poured two chardonnays correct is that my second one? That is your 2016 Gaps Crown Chardonnay. Ah, okay. I want to do this back to back. What's the difference, Bob? What am I going to taste? Or, or Ryan, oh. either or you guys? Well, I'll pass it over to Ryan, but just a, you know, a very different sight, uh, kind of across the hill. So as the, the crow flies, not very far, to be <sighs> honest with you. That's a different product. Totally different. Really um, amazing. Wow. That's the way you have to taste wine. Right. Back to back right yeah i can't go into um a uh a tasting room where they give you what half ounce and and you're five deep at the bar and it's like no yeah no i <laughs> but here you get a sit down experience with yeah. a flight in front of you you're guided through the whole thing so that you have the opportunity here at three sticks to actually Go through and understand the differences between the wines. You might get lucky and get Steve. Yeah. 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 I think Steve ought to describe the difference. Seriously, he does this for a little. I mean, we'll go into the technical part, but Steve, go ahead. We might toss you out anyway. (laughs) So I'm often faced with people who come in with the attitude that they don't like Chardonnay and they say, don't even pour a Chardonnay. (laughs) Well, we ignore them and we pour them Chardonnay Um, because people find out that. If Chardonnay is made well, they do like it. It's phenomenal, right? So amazing. The Gaps Crown is a much more traditional approach to Chardonnay for this area. The, the grapes go through full malolactic fermentation. They get fermented in French oak barrels with a healthy dose of them being new French oak. I believe this is about 25% yep. new French oak on this one. So That really does make a difference. Right. And, it's just, and, the, and the toast. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you use a medium, heavy toast? Oh, we go one step further, Ryan. Right? Mm-hmm. Tell them about our trips to France. Oh, man. So. <laughs> <laughs> I want to come along on the next one. I, I need to yeah. do a barrel show. Okay. A cooperage show. Yeah, so we, we use four main coopers, uh, and one of them we're working with, uh, we're, it's Tunnel Rio, we're doing a master cooper program with them, and we are actually going out there and going out to France, um, selecting wood uh, in the forest, cutting down You're trees. You're kidding me. No. Working with a stave really mill. Do- you're starting at the very beginning. I'll take yeah. that sapling over there. Right. Um, <laughs> not not well, quite. Not quite a sapling. These trees are 150 to about 250 years. That'd old. be a long program yeah. if yes. we did that. But but yeah, we're yeah. we're you know even even still you know we're aging these in the stave stave yards out there for three 
plus years. Yeah, they just cut it and leave it in the forest to dry, right? No. No? No. They, they, they haul it into the stave mill, and then it's split, literally hand split on the radius. And then um, the staves are made into kind of rough size staves, and then they're stacked and aged out in a yard for three years. Kind of like you know, a Lincoln log set, so yeah, they get full perfect. air. Yeah, and that way they have the opportunity to work out, you know, how how are they going to age, how much are they going to shrink, and everything. Because mm-hmm. if they converted it immediately into barrels, you'd have it all contracting, mm-hmm. and you'd have the barrels leaking right away. Yeah, you don't want that. And they'd be very, <laughs> they'd be very sappy, too. Yeah. Yeah. Very no. green taste. Green and yeah. sappy, and that's what, what's happening is you're actually um, maturing the, the wood. There is, uh, you know, it snows. We actually saw snow. Our, our uh, state Where do you go producer, there? Pardon? Where, where is your... Well, the state mill producer is um, down in Mariabois, which is about three hours south of um, Paris. So we'll fly into Paris and then drive straight That's down. That's a good start. Yeah. And, and the forest around there. farther down, you know, yeah. Bordeaux or Avignon. <laughs> well, I'll, we're I'll still. I'll take either or. We're still several hours from Bordeaux. We're center, yeah. center of France. So kind of if you think of Nevers, Chateau Roux, yeah. oh, absolutely. Aligny, right. uh, Bertrange, uh, Troncet. You know, depending on the elevations, we're looking at soils, we're looking at the kind of plants that grow around the trees. All of that affects the flavor of the oak. And this last year, we actually drove up to the Vosges Mountains near Germany, so in Alsace, and to the northern part outside of a town called uh, Darnay. And we are buying wood specifically from Darnay because of the elevation and how tight a grain it is. So we'll have Darnay, Vosges barrels that we're going to cooper in three years there you go but it's fun to go out there and pick a barrel or pick a tree and then their their harvester sebastian and i've i've got videos i can show you later uh you know he falls these trees and he can do 25 28 trees a day and he's just it's amazing what he can do and and he can like Landed on a you know a small little piece of land you know right he, because if you if you hit another tree uh, then you bought that one yeah. too oh, yeah. whether you wanted it or not it's all government it's like owned they're called Fute Forest it's like a China shop it right. is <laughs> it's like dropping a break tree it you buy it you know it's interesting that uh, land has as much effect on the oak as mm-hmm. land does on the grapes itself. And that's what we really are, are intrigued with on this process is, you know, for me, it's a, it's a whole other side of winemaking that, you know, traditionally you, you go to the cooper and the, the cooper has this special toast that they might do and it adds this certain characteristic, but it's kind of a black box. You don't know how they got there. You don't know what they did to get those, those flavors the way they did. You might understand the toasting and that regimen, but, but sourcing and seasoning and how that all plays into the wines that we're then going to have after that. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great, great learning experience. I think Steve should go next year with us. <laughs> yeah. Count me in. <laughs> I think I I'll should go packing. too. There you go, John. You could come, come on. We could podcast do, it. We could do a podcast you know, in Mariabois. Look, all I have to do is have electricity. That's it. Okay. And they do have electricity. <laughs> yes. It'd be, it'd be a long cord in the forest. Right. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. We, we, can, we can manage. So, 
Well, I should not be uh, consuming these huge glasses back to back, but I got to tell you that the second one was my favorite. And there's something about it that is just uh, certainly my flavor profile. Mm -hmm. Talk about gaps a little bit, because it's different clones that go in. So um, explain clones, because people find that a hard thing to wrap their arms around. Well, yeah, I mean, with with especially Pinot Noir. So there's, you know, so many different oh, Pinot yeah. Noir clones and they all offer... One, one, five, six, six, seven, seven, six, whatever. It sounds like airplanes, you know? Yeah, it's... So each of these clones are, are different versions of Chardonnay. So, you know, Chardonnay, we traditionally use uh, the Wente clone, uh, which is... Uh, uh, a clone that was brought over and basically the Wentys propagated the most it. well known. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what the Gaps Crown that we're drinking here is uh, they're Dijon clones. And so these were brought over from Dijon. They're cooler climate. They're, they're made to, uh, to, I love my job. <laughs> <laughs> Marsha. We know. <laughs> yeah. Is- it, it's these, you know, these, these clones, uh, 76 and 124, they, thrive in cooler climates and gaps crown is our coldest it is. climate it um, is. of our of all of our isn't vineyards. it amazing that that physical feature of just a gap in the mountains there allows so much sea air to come in oh, yeah. and it's it's like refrigerating the the vineyard you know <laughs> it's a vacuum it gets is. gets drawn in yeah is that it <laughs> well, you know, for you the go. listeners, clones, I like to equate clones. Think of clones as like, okay, they're all canines or dogs, right? But we have Great Danes that have certain physical characteristics. We have Labradors that have different, but they're all canines. Same thing with clones. They're, they have different physical characteristics and different personalities, much, much like different canines do. And so when we plant these on, the, the goal is to find and match those clones to a site. Where, where are the Westies going to do really well and where, where right. are the Labradors going to Except for one well? major difference between the two, which is, of course, clones are grafted onto rootstock. Right. We don't do that with dogs. No. But that's okay. <laughs> right. You got the gif. Just, just for listeners who may not know where right. the clones actually we, go. Right. But when we talk about clones, it's, it's you know, it's, it's basically 95% of it, 99% of it is the same genetic makeup. And it's that 1% that, that changes those physical characteristics. And you should also mention the... the one of the things that happens with clones is around here, if you live here, which people, you know, back east who don't get to see vineyards all the time may not observe, is that sometimes you try a specific clone on a block and you give it a year or two and you go, this is not behaving how we expected. And off it comes and another one is grafted on in its place onto the rootstock. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can sometimes see a struggle in the vineyard where, where uh, a winery tries a specific clone, they clone they expect it to behave a certain way, it doesn't grow as expected or produce the fruit they expect, and then, then they go back to the drawing board and pull out a different clone and try that one. It's, it's always a, a mixture of, of site, of rootstock, of clone, of microclimate. All of those things affect the expression of that grape. So, you know, you might have a, a swan. You, you may think in your head that, oh, swan's my favorite, my favorite clone of Pinot because it's got this beautiful aromatics and, and spice, and, and you plant it in a spot that, that it 
doesn't represent that, and it, you might get a blander, more washed out wine. So all of those things combined. To I don't that. see you guys making any bland washed out wines. Okay, <laughs> I'll just be straight about that. So, um, Steve, as a yes. as a uh, tasting, what would we taste next? I will generally pour two pinots next to each other. Okay, and. I always can I just use my? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I I I did use the spit cup. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I do have to drive to uh, Santa Rosa. And when we much when later, we but start the pouring for people, we always ask them to keep a little of each wine in their glass because once we have them taste through it, we bring out a little cheese plate and have them taste it again. Because a lot of people who come to wine country, they're not experienced and they don't necessarily understand. The relationship well, and, between food and wine. And the whole mm-hmm. thing about this podcast is taking the mystery out of wine. Exactly, I mean, we want to yeah. be casual. We are not, the, mm-hmm. I, I will not say snotty sommeliers because mm-hmm. obviously <laughs> Brian is a sommelier and he's not snotty. Uh, and, he, and he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> he's, not, he's not. He should be. And as soon if he walks in during this broadcast, um, I'm going to force him just to have uh, catch up with us. <laughs> so it's going to be immediately rosé, rosé, shard, shard, pinot. And being a professional <laughs> taster, he can do that. Right? He, he can, actually. And he taught me the value of the spit jar. <laughs> because believe me, you you need it. If we do two shows in a row, it's can be brutal. I mean, seriously, if you if you are really seriously consuming all this alcohol, you need to be careful. That's it. No, <laughs> I mean it's that's what it is. So. We have our spit cups. They rarely get used here at the Adobe. <laughs> there you go. But we should also note since the listeners can't see what we've been doing. Although the glasses may be large, Steve has not been pouring anything larger than standard tastes, which are only an ounce or two. I noticed that. But, you know, now he's getting to the red wine. Now you're happy. And now now you talk about don't even pour a Chardonnay. That used to be me. And now it's not. Chicago days again. Now I can, well, yeah. If you're in advertising in Chicago or New York, you, you're drinking vodka and scotch, okay? <laughs> you, you know, and, and if you go out, you if buy... you're making wine in Sonoma, you're drinking vodka and scotch, <laughs> too, so... Or you, get, or you get stuck someplace where your only option is Chianti. Yeah, well, here, Italian restaurant in Chicago. Italian yeah, village. the Como Inn. You know? And it's nice that Marcia and I are both from Chicago. We, you know? we all spent a lot of time at the Italian village. Yes, we did. And and the Como Inn, actually. You know? <laughs> Joe Marchetti was a close friend. He inherited this, and this is how I got into racing. Um, good friend, collected exotic cars, but he couldn't drive at all. He's not here to defend himself <laughs> anymore in life, but the stories are true. And I got to drive for him weekend after weekend after weekend for about 10 years and we would travel the midwest and i would be driving le mans type ferraris and porsches and lotuses and uh, some open wheel cars and and some that i would bring back in and just say 
I can't drive this. <laughs> Sounds know, like a good gig to me. This is too skittish for me. I mean, I, every time I would hit it out of a turn, I would damn near lose it. So and, and the Como Inn was old style Chicago, and it's where the mob met. Okay, I'll just say that. So, <laughs> Steve, please introduce the wines. So, yeah, generally when I talk about uh, the Shards, I point out that they are different because they were made completely differently. With our Pinots, I talk about them being different mainly because they were grown in completely different places. So the two you've got on the left is a 2015 Pinot from the Santa Rita Hills down in Santa Barbara County. And it's phenomenal. Thank Thank you. you. And the one on the right is a 2016. It's our PFV which stands for Price Family Vineyards, and it's from all of Bill Price's vineyards here in Sonoma County. A blend? A blend of vineyards, right, that Ryan and Bob go through and pick their favorite um, barrels from. I think that's your next growth area. I mean, Rosé has seen the growth, and you've obviously tapped into that. But red blends, mm-hmm. I mean, any your field blend. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite wines absolutely de facto that's it yeah and so i mean these are the these are the wines that i really enjoy so and, and i think and, we have the and most marcia is sitting here kind of you look like uh, the scales of justice here my dear <laughs> you're weighing each wine and it looks if you could only see so in fact we're going to start a youtube channel so we'll do a little... It's video. a refined nice. double-fisted. Well, we will... I like double-fisted drinking, <laughs> actually. You know, I've seen it happen before, so... But, you know, you this is absolutely the way to do a tasting. Because, I mean, point yeah. blank. Absolutely. It's... You get to compare, for one thing. Um, but again, we sit down and we are making relationships here. It's... We don't... Um, I tell people we don't idolize wine here. We enjoy it. We might make it simple and approachable, and um, just just to be enjoyed. Well, I am, and thank you very much, <laughs> Ryan and Pop. I know you guys work really hard on this stuff. This is it does yeah. not happen by itself, and, and there's more than just Ryan and Bob too. Oh yeah, yeah that's so, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, we've we've got well, there's there's a team of us full time. Um, just in the cellar, six of us. We also have Ashley Holland, our, our associate winemaker, Carl Formaker, our enologist, uh, Hector Cisneros, who's actually been there f- forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, Since Hector's done, yeah, yeah he, he's done, I think, 15 or 16 vintages. And then his nephew, uh, Kevin Serna, is, is on as a cellar worker. And it's just, Isn't there's a synergy. Cool it is. There's a synergy you know? between all of us, I think, that um, you don't find a lot in, um, in, in the wine business. And, you know, I think Marsha, Peter would, would agree that you find these teams at time and you don't want anybody to go anywhere. And you know that, you know, I mean, you, you take young people and you mentor them and you, you help them to the next stage. And Ryan and I know we're not going to be able to keep everybody forever. Every, but, and then somebody you, gets a passion project yeah. and it's an offshoot. And then right. all of a sudden they're doing it full time. Exactly. And, and, you know, and that's okay because you want to mm-hmm. see people grow and, and you, but, I think what I enjoy most about our team is the journey. 
together. I mean, it's great to taste these wines, but the journey that we're all experiencing together is why I love coming down here to go to work. It's what brings you together. Yeah. And then you guys also work really closely with our vineyard team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I so, probably talk to Rob Harris more than I do the winemaker. So <laughs> I want to talk about the wines a bit. So as you've seen, I've, I've been drinking double-fisted here, going back and forth between your 2015 and your 2016, and get a, a lot of differences um, between the two of them. Um, you, you know, if I were to call it, it's the 2016, you can definitely see it's, you know, around a year less uh, so it's a little brighter. It's a little bit more being cherry-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 2015 has had more time to meld the flavors together. Um, smoother might be the word that that John you know eschews both and enjoys depending upon. <laughs> when it's I can I can do both. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's all okay. <laughs> so so uh, I want to ask you guys: um, Are they developing the ways the, you, that you expected them to to go? Yeah, I mean, what what we look Great for. Great question. Right? Yeah, we we have what what's really cool about these two wines is you're really looking at two separate things uh, at the same time. So we're looking at two different vintages first of all, and we're looking at two vastly different areas. So uh, the first wine uh, is from the Santa Rita Hills, which is down south um, outside of Santa Barbara, north of Santa Barbara there. Um, which has a similar kind of uh, gap in the mountains that we were talking about where the, the mountains run east-west out there. And so it's a funnel for fog. Um, really cool down there. In fact, uh, we went down and um, many times it was cooler climate than it is up here um, in, in spots, and which is, always boggles my mind a little bit because, you know, L.A. is, is the, the land of surf and sun. But, uh, <laughs> but, but you go up to Santa Rita and it's the land of gray and fog. So what's different about this Santa Rita Hills Pinot to me from many others is many that I've had have, are not as balanced, a key word for, for John. Um, a lot of the times it, they have a lot brighter acidity, but not nearly as much fruit. Um, and those are, you know, hallmarks of, you know, how well are you doing with balance, but all of yours is very smooth. So I, you know, I would, I would put you ahead of the game for <laughs> a lot of Santa Rita Hills. Well, I, 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 I love a bunch of wines from down there. And I think Santa Rita is just a, the, that area is such a, a great, uh, Pinot specifically, you know, we, we work with, uh, uh, the Sanford and Benedict Vineyard and uh, La Rinconada down there, and um, Eric Malay is their their vineyard guy, and can't say enough great things about the things that that they're doing. We've they've brought us in and allowed us to taste at Sanford with them, and went through all their lots and and understood all the different uh, spots on the vineyard and different clones and different blocks and. Um, so it, it's been a great, great working relationship with them down there, especially it being so far away. You know, we're we're really used to being able to work, like you said, with Rob very closely and and uh, vineyards that we own and and manage. Um, so having the eyes and ears of somebody that we really trust down south um, has been uh, a godsend. Really. That's got to be really key. Somebody yeah. you can trust. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, for my flavor profile, Marcia, twenty sixteen. Bingo. Knocks me out. So 2015 was the first full vintage of our new winemaking team. And I don't know if Bob remembers this, but about a year and a half ago when he poured the 15s for our team for the first time, I went up and said, wow, 
I really, really like these. And he looked at me and said, if you like these, wait till 16. And I thought he was blowing <laughs> smoke at me. <laughs> so what happened in 16? Um, I think the gods were just kind <laughs> to us. Just better, fruit. Yeah. All no. better fruit? No, not better fruit. I think, um, you know, the one thing I miss uh, about uh, previous jobs is, you know, when you walk into a vineyard, 16 vintages or 17 vin- or 20 vintages in a row, you start to understand really what that vineyard and what that place is about. And as a wine, as a young winemaker, I always thought, oh, I got to do this and I'm going to put this oak on it. I'm going to use this yeast strain. And as I've gotten older, it's like, okay, well, what, talk back to, you know, tell me what you need, not what I want. And I think um, the difference even in 15 is that we didn't have the opportunity to listen as much in the vineyard as we did in 16. And uh, we were able to understand better. I mean, not that I don't think we made really good wines. I thought we did in 15. But then 16 was just... A There's little just bit, a difference. A, a little bit different. And then the growing season, too. Like Ryan said, you know, it, it cooled down much like we've got. I think we had better flavor development. If the 18s stay on this path with the, the cooler weather, maybe warming up a little bit into the 90s, we're going to have very much, you know, 15 and 17 are kind of um, mirror images, and 16 and 18 will be fair, mirror I'm going to have to write that down on know. my card and make sure I know 2016. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> File that away. Hot year, man. So. Well, now, 2016 to me is a lot like, you know, maybe 2008, 2007, you know, um, and from a growing season, from a... Um, you know, structure, structure, wine structure from, from the beginning. So Bob and Ryan, so one of the notorious qualities of Pinot, uh, not notorious in a negative sense, but <laughs> the general characteristic is low tannins. So that generally means it's not going to be able to age as long as a Cabernet, which is high-end mm. tannins. So what are you both expecting from this 15 and 16 in terms of aging, because they are both very well balanced but different. Drink them right away. <laughs> That's the idea. That is true, but there's we will make more. I'm gonna. They're you know. Hopefully, they have lots of happy customers coming here who are buying cases and going. Well, how long? Even if I drink the uh, many of these right away, how long can I expect my multiple case purchase to last me? Well. I- I think that the goal is always to make a wine that upon release is beautiful and drinkable and but it you know we we want these wines to age as well. I think uh, that's a goal uh, with keeping the acids sort of where they are, balancing the acid, balancing the tannins. Uh, you want enough fruit to really you know be able to be pleasurable upon release but but Ryan, I can't age wine. <laughs> I mean, I will buy from a. If I were putting li- a case, true, he can't age yeah. one. Putting a no. case, putting a case of each of these away, I would drink the sixteens before my fifteens. I just think that the fifteens are going to are going to take a little bit longer. Uh, they'll be more interesting at eight, nine, ten years than the sixteen. I think the sixteens will be better at years five, six, seven, eight kind of. Well, thing. I, I uh, bought a ninety-four and an eighty-nine, uh, both magnums of Chateau Beaucastel. Um, 
boy, the 89 had lost its fruit. Yeah. The, and that was unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 90 still, still had it, although, you know, I'm done buying older wines. I've been mm-hmm. through that now. It's all okay. I don't care if it's a 2016 or 2015. Yeah. The winemaking uh, techniques have changed so much in the last 30 years. I have good friends from Chicago, like you, who would buy lots of French wine, and they'd buy it, and they'd lay it down for 10, 20, 30 years and say, I won't touch that until, you know, this was back in the 70s, they'd say, I won't touch that until, you know, the 2000s or whatever. You don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, and no. and as, as Bob and Ryan have said, drink it now, please, yeah. because yeah. it's ready. Oh, I, I agree totally. I mean, that's just that's my philosophy. You, just, you buy a case and you drink a bottle every year and you'll get through 12 and, you know, if you skip a year, you get to 13. That's that's a pretty good good spot to be, I think. All right. Now, we've reached the point where I always say, uh, I want to know how our listeners can buy your wine. And you're, you're, you're direct to consumer on everything. You're not in restaurants, are you? Oh, a no, few, no, no. Yeah, we're in a few. No, yeah. A few. Yeah. Oh no, we're we're probably we're, what thirty some odd percent um, mm-hmm. yeah, wholesale. We're, we're so we're in, in okay. sixteen yeah. states not or on grocery store yeah. shops. No, no, no. Right. Or wine shops generally. We make about five thousand cases of wine, so there's not going to see it stacked up yeah. in your grocery store. No, but store. that that's a right. small batch producer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you're not Kenwood. Thank mm-hmm. God. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike Lee, <laughs> but you mentioned. Well, it's, uh, uh, isn't Who it Pernod Ricard? Before. Doesn't Pernod Ricard own Kenwood now? I think so. Yeah. So it's not even Mike Lee. It's yeah. Francois something. And I remember going to Arrowwood and talking with Richard. Mm-hmm. And now that has been sold. He's doing Amapola Creek. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and the view from his place is Monte Rosa. And for the people who don't speak Italian, that does mean mm. Red Hill, right? Right. Okay. Right. And it's absolutely stunning. Probably so. one of the most stunning vineyards up on Moon Mountain. Yeah, it's yeah. spectacular. So to get back to your question, yes, sir. we do have a wonderful wine website, threestickswines.com. Um, you, you spell out three sticks and wines are both plural. And it is three um, sticks. Exactly. That's which. It. We didn't talk about the name, did we? We did not. Uh, So the name comes from our owner, Bill Price. Bill grew up in Southern California near the beach. He is a surfer. Um, Was then and is now. Life sucks. He spent his high school years in Hawaii where apparently surfers... Life really sucks now. (laughs) Um, Surfers apparently need a nickname when you're in Hawaii and one of Bill's friends over there saw his driver's license with, for the first time and was very confused because Bill is the third. William S. Price the third and asked Bill why did he have three sticks behind his name <laughs> there you go. so he is Billy three sticks um, that's nice so it's, it's easy to order um, and you have a great website that's very easy to navigate mm-hmm. and get around etc and I was going to ask Steve to clarify, when you come to Sonoma, although the tasting room is right off Sonoma Plaza, it is by appointment, correct? Exactly. Um, that doesn't mean the door doesn't open. Not going to turn me away. Way. Well, we, sometimes we have to, but if we can say yes, we Ouch. do. But yeah, we urge you to contact <laughs> ahead of time. You can either call us or there's a reservation request form on the 
website, but we are open seven days a week. We do three tasting times a day. Um, well, there you go. And we t- we show off. You can't see this place on this podcast, obviously, but this is a spectacular property. You can certainly we get the feeling of it, We tell a lot of the history yeah. of the property, and, and we show it all And you can see that on off. the website. Yeah. And, so. you know, if you're looking for a great way to, to just experience the whole three sticks thing... Join the club. You'll it'll be dribbled out to you over email. I'm even stealing their pen today. <laughs> so like, You're not the first one. <laughs> no, right? Well, I think that uh, Sandra said that their pens were their only form of advertising. Yeah. Uh-huh. Everybody's got a uh, yeah. Uh, I usually tell people pen. they're free with a ten case purchase. <laughs> How about a two bottle purchase? <laughs> okay, um, so we know how to get the wine. We. We've talked with the two winemakers, and you've got a whole team behind you. Absolutely. And Steve, what would you be pouring next? And, okay, here's the deal. Brian Casey has arrived, and Steve, I'm going to have you share that microphone with Mr. Casey. But we need to immediately pour him a, a rosé, which I want to see him chug. <laughs> Just a little game of catch up, Brian. So how how was lunch? And a shout out to uh uh Sandra Bernstein and Girl in the Fig. Hold on, let me get situated here. Okay, you get situated, brother. Hi everybody. How's it going? Brian, Brian? Casey, my very, good. very, good very close good friend, Brian Casey. So I, I almost had Sandra here and then um um she ran into some friends that were coming into the restaurant. She sends her love ah. to everybody. Excellent. Of course, she loves uh loves the loves the wines here and, and we were having a little little rosé and some frites across the street and uh get on that one right now brother yeah i know look at the color on this it is spectacular oh. i mean and that's what they open with and brian you've done march and may cover right we, we have we have met before at uh, different tasting events and um, she does a wonderful job um doing all that she does for mr mathis so good to, good to see you, Brian. And I'm going to give him the chance. You know, he can't keep talking and drink at the same time. So I thought I would ask Bob and Ryan to talk a little bit about how rosé is made because a lot of listeners just have no idea. Okay, they see red wine, they see white wine, and they have no idea how there can be a pink wine in the middle. They go, wow, are they pouring two of them together? So you, you got to clue in some of the listeners on that. Well, what I find even interesting is is people that don't necessarily know a lot about wine at the base level don't really realize that uh, red wine grapes uh, don't have red flesh i think they're used to the, the grapes that they've had as a kid that they eat at the supermarket what are the conquered grapes or uh, you know they're not vitis vinifera we but did we did talk about this earlier yeah the, i think that's crazy the and, and, and then so they think maybe you know all you have to explain at that point then is rosé is just a little contact with that skin just enough to give that that beautiful color um, but it's one of your favorite wines uh, not one of rosé is definitely hands the, down okay. my <laughs> favorite go. wine let's be clear um, about this it is brian's favorite well you wine. have to think about to put it in a in perspective when i'm getting off work it's most likely about one o'clock in the morning and i've worked uh, eight or nine hours on my feet as so, a sommelier at sante and so when i when i get home i want something that's refreshing um thirst quenching 
And this um, is year easy round. Easy to drink. I right? prefer things that are a little bit lower in alcohol. Definitely year round. I think rosé used to be thought of as one of those summer things. Yeah, well, that's still no in my more. Mind. No with more. white shoes. You know that you could only wear white shoes between memorial. <laughs> you're right. Okay. right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. and the, and and then when you're having dinner, rosé goes with everything. If you said, "What would you have with a salad?" I'll say rosé. What would you have with a burger with blue cheese and bacon? Rosé. <laughs> Well, I mean, <laughs> name it, it's rosé, yeah. because in essence, it almost is a cold red wine in a lot of ways. Cool. Um, so it's and, and it's an easy transition, I think, for people that are n- normally just red wine drinkers to transition to rosé, and uh, I mean, it, it se- it's seamless. Um, and, and when you have a good rosé, like, I haven't even tried, but I know this rosé is <laughs> well, really you good, know what? because I've had it before. <laughs> but this is why we were, we were trying to give you a chance to, you know, chug a little rosé there, is it's a... To talk a little over you, and I had let to the I had comment to, on the. I the couldn't even making. get. I couldn't Come even on. get any from the uh, from the Adobe last time. I had to pull it out of my cellar. Remember that? That's, That's right. right. I remember that. <laughs> no, yeah. actually, it was like they gave me everything but rosé, and I'm like, oh my god, I can't show up at this podcast. Bob, you do with, know no. that Brian went ahead and ordered your Chardonnay. Yeah, and uh, thank you. Holds yeah. it in. Yeah, thank Every you so much. week we talk about it and holds it in the highest regard of virtually any wine he's had. Well, please, I, the, the less we talk about it, the better for my marriage. <laughs> oh, mine too. Yeah. Me, you know, that, oh God. It's all yeah. falling apart. Today. Yeah, no, that Chardonnay has become, uh, it's become um, something that I'm addicted to. And I can't stop talking about and, and I don't care how much it costs. And that's a real problem. Yes. <laughs> I, that's like on my radio show when I say, I don't okay, care. Let what, me put a shot. No, right. <laughs> I say, I don't care what your MasterCard looks like. You know, you need to buy this album. You need to own this music. And it's the same way with wine. I mean, I, I finally broke down and bought a Chen Blue uh, Red. And, mm-hmm. and, of course, Brian likes the Chen Blue Rosé. And, right. and, you know, it's, it's just our difference in taste. Right. That's it. So what so do you guys been... Saying, so you're saying to your listeners, you need to buy this Three Sticks wine. Exactly. You need to buy this three six one. <laughs> so, now, yes. so now that you made Brian chug the rosé, what would Brian like to say about yeah, the rosé? What, what have you guys been doing? What have you guys been talking about? Um, have you gone through uh, the... S- not much. Thing. Same thing, only different. <laughs> <laughs> and and have you guys released the, uh, the Castaneda Red... Uh, <laughs> no, not yet. Um, um, and the rosé, is this what release. I had? This was the 2017... This is a 2017, yeah. 2017. So I think we're pretty much out of that. Of Um, course. uh, So yeah, the the red will come out here in the fall. Okay, Um, and the white blend? uh, In the spring. We should make sure listeners know about rosé, that rosé has a faster season and consumption cycle. It's often made by wineries to be consumed the season after harvest, essentially. And that's how much gets made. So you're not going to find a, a 20, 2006 or whatever uh, rosé out there g- generally. generally I, yeah. There are exceptions. <laughs> In your stash, Bob? <laughs> not, yeah. You know what we call that? We call these rosés that are so delicious patio pounders or, you know, there's mm-hmm. a chuggability factor. Sure. You know, I mean, it just goes down so easy. It's so beautiful. And you can go through quite a bit of it. 
Yeah, well, I, 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 I have myself anyway. So well, some people make those, you know, real fun, like you said, patio pounder rosés, and you know, you've got some people that are bottling in December, and you've got some people that are doing a little bit more extensive um, um, aging and and bottling in you know March or April or something, getting ready for summer, and. Uh, you know, I I think there are some rosés in the world that that are actually nice that um, that get a little age on them. Some uh, you know, some Bandol uh, I think is yeah, is Bandol nice. definitely uh, comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. definitely um, a little bit of age. I mean, that's nice. what it inspired me for that little bit of rosé I made back in sixteen for right for Bob Cabral wines. Yeah, and, no, you I know, can totally see a little that. bit of tannin, a little bit of barrel. You know, something that yeah. would age yeah. uh, with time. But yeah, and then yeah. for some wineries, you know, it's a it's a way. You know, when you talk about making wine and and you're, let's say you're you're going from scratch and so you're putting in a vineyard, you've got seven years in, you're making the wine, you're now nine, ten years in, you're just starting to sell wine. Rosé is one of those wines where it's a, it's a nice to get some capital flowing. Um, you know, <laughs> you turn it over right away. Let's, That's let's, it. let's pick it in uh, September. Let's bottle it in January and let's start making money in March. I mean, let's start getting some, some scratch Can together. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Give the people what they want. Right? Amen, brother. Amen. I mean, if it, if it wasn't for white Zinfandel, how many of those beautiful Zin uh, vineyards that we have around here would still be around? Uh, it's because people were drinking that white Zinfandel and that were enjoying stuff. it and, yeah. and paying seven dollars yeah. a bottle. And thank God we've now got these these old historic vineyards that um, is is due to uh, you know all of us uh, sneaking a little Sutter home on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian, there are two Chardonnays in front of you. I know that you are a Chardonnay fan. Um, Ryan, can you recap what she? Yeah, I'll give you a quick rundown. What we have, we've got the uh, the the origin uh, is the first wine, so it's uh, concrete fermented, all from Durrell Vineyards, yeah, uh, and um, no oak. So this goes uh, into concrete and stainless. Uh, we'll age it in stainless after stainless barrels. Wow, um, and no mallow on that. So um, really, so just, just kind on of the lees, you're getting a little texture, getting texture right. on the lees, really. And, you know, with the concrete, we're getting some of that mouthfeel, and, yeah. and the leaves are, are yeah. contributing to that as well. A little minerality going. But really wanted to showcase Durrell without everything else. You right. know, I wanted to see kind of... Baseline. This is, this is Durrell, and we love, we love showing those two together. We, we rarely have the opportunity to do that, but, um, you know, a, a sort of traditional barrel fermented versus, uh, versus concrete fermented or uh, Durrell. Um, but you can, you know, you can kind of get the, we're doing a gaps crown is the one that we're, we're showing today. Um, uh, Chardonnay and that is, you know, traditionally French oak barrel fermented. Yep. 25, 25%, 26%. Right. Um, and, uh, but it's, uh, you know, cooler climate, um, Dijon clone. So Mm -hmm. a little bit more mineral acid, um, driven, um, uh, you know, as opposed to a sort of a fleshy, bigger style. Sure, uh, look for some balance. Yeah, yeah, and look at the um, the clarity difference that you right. can see in them. <laughs> I mean, this is you know you're drinking two different wines right here. Yeah, um, and both were fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I see. So, you've already moved on to reds. Here. Oh, we've, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we've we've made it all the way pretty much to the last wine. Brian, here, but, we're we're uh, at a minute and twenty, uh, one hour and twenty minutes. Oh, see. So okay. We, we've been, okay. We've been talking and drinking a while. And, and how did Marsha find her way in here? How did I, this all come about? I invited about? her to come okay. to the tasting. <laughs> and okay. And, I, I, and I'm 
very happy, um, you know, because she's such a good friend, and we wor worked together at the radio station, and she she helped the Sonoma uh, Valley Museum of Art the other day doing, they're having a fire exhibit um, from Fire Love Arises, I think is the actual title. Opens September 29th, something absolutely worth seeing. Recorded 21 different poets at my place, and we're doing oh, cool. we're doing the final edit tomorrow. Some of these, Bob, were written by sixth graders, and they all made me cry. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's it's, awesome. It's, well, it's so, from the heart. I'm sure and, it's from the heart. And Marcia yeah. did a couple of voiceovers, yeah. and I did a few. But we we had yeah. a lot of the people come in and read their own stuff and it's going to be spectacular so a big shout out to the sonoma valley museum of art and um again the show starts september 29th with a big party and runs through january so i suggest everybody awesome. gives yeah, us plenty of time to see get it. your ass yeah. over there and see <laughs> it so, well what's been going on here you know this is this is um one of if not my favorite um place uh, to taste wine yeah, is, this, is this property beautiful or what <laughs> yeah so steve's it, been kind of leading us through a typical tasting to be honest okay with you. yeah and then we've, we've been kind of chiming in and well i think yeah. what you miss out on though is is the visuals the visual aspect of being here at the adobe is i mean you're right off the square so you don't really expect when you walk in that front door <laughs> what what you find and what you find is that you're you're almost transported back into time a little bit, and you've got this uh, <clears throat> incredible home that's been uh, converted into all these different um, spaces that you can taste wine, but all of them have their own little uh, personality. I've actually never been in this room before. This is... Um, it's the garage. And the, I, don't th <laughs> right. I, don't, I don't think I've ever poured I out. wish my garage it was, was the this garage, clean actually, yeah. and had yeah. boxes of wine stacked up yeah, like man. this. And Brian, I don't think I've ever poured out two glasses of red wine before either. So <laughs> there you go. New things happen every day, don't they? I guess so, John. So, yeah. And everything you tried, you liked, I'm assuming? Yeah, I'm waiting for the final act. And what is that? Do we have a final act, Steve? Wait, we well, we should we should find a final act. Well, a, you know, I, you know, my final act is going to say Castagnano. Here's how. You, here's here? how. Stumped the let band. Let me look. <laughs> they did the final act. You stumped mm. the band. That's that all. It's all okay. You know, I'm I'm getting the Castagnano to take home. I'm not opening it here. I'm very jealous about that <laughs> stuff. So this this Chardonnay that you did in the is am Ooh. I on there? Is, yeah, uh, is I, amazing. Not, I think that was a, a wire. No, I love the purity of it. The, the like green apple flavors and beautiful acidity. Um, yeah, you're. Yeah, uh, it's. Uh, I think. I think what's really fun about it is you. I love. I love having a, a barrel fermented Chardonnay. I think yeah. it adds a lot. And and but but sometimes it's nice to just really kind of strip away anything and really just focus on the on the purity of fruit and. And uh, and understand what the what the vineyard is really giving you from right without any other you know dressing. Which, you know, I've always said that you know one of my one of my favorite uh, value oriented go to wines um, in a pinch was always the Bonterra Chardonnay, an uh, organic. It's one of my mother's favorites. Isn't that great? Because I think with Chardonnay, um, 
specifically, most people haven't tried a Chardonnay that hasn't been manipulated in one way, shape, or form. And so they, they, they really don't know what it tastes like. Um, on its own. Right. On its own. <laughs> they, they know Chardonnay as, as oak or as you know, Right, they're used or... to some oak contact and malolactic fermentation. That they're not um, used to just tasting the purity of the grape. And, and I think that, that right there does a great job of it. One Thank of the you. one of the things it does particularly well is the the travel through the olfactory and mouth feel senses. Yeah, and a lot of wines go through different paths. You know, sometimes yeah. they they smack you when you right. first t- you know, and, and sometimes that's intended. Of course, they smack you right up front, and but then they disappear, and then others get suddenly really big in the middle mouth feel. And then they disappear. But your Chardonnay uh, it hits the mouth really smoothly. It's like it pours really evenly. And then it spreads through the middle of the mouth really yeah. evenly like a, like a nice pool cavern. And then it just keeps extending and growing and growing really evenly and continuously you guys can Those you guys, guys can quote that and, and, and put, put <laughs> we gotta it write in. that i mean seriously this is some poetry you're coming up with here, kid. <laughs> so what did you guys what did you guys find for the I, I i was really kidding about the final act i mean my fi- my final act is is uh packing up getting out of here with my Castaneda. There you go. You know, and the board. So I'll let, I'll, let Ryan, I'll let Ryan talk about it a little bit. But this is the 2016, not released yet, but will be released here. Um, it's it's on right now. It's part of the release, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. Still for a club members. Oh, so it's wow. It's up off of the. It's wow. one of the highest vineyards Ooh. on. It is the highest vineyard on Sonoma Mountain. It's called Cuvée Eva Marie comes from our one sky vineyard so up above um vanderkamp vanderkamp's which used to be kind of the highest vineyard up there and so you're at about 1300 feet and it's this really i was up there this morning actually as at daybreak because i wanted to see if which means you were probably up among the fog I was, yeah, <laughs> or above it. You yeah. a lot it was, of it was actually Bob. a little above it, to be honest with you. Yeah. And we, uh, Bob, which side of Sonoma Mountain are we on? North, north on the north and side. On the north side, and okay. that's the great thing about it is it's a, it's, a, you know, you think a little bit warmer Sonoma Mountain, especially on the eastern side, and and it gets very cold on on the western side where Gap's Crown is, but on the on the north side it gets very little sun, or mm-hmm. you know it just doesn't track as as warm a day as you see. And you said this was the 2016. 2016, and it's a barrel selection of um, like maybe eight or ten barrels, and it's named after Bill's wife, Eva Marie, and. Mm-hmm. You know, this Eva one, Marie, I know, is Eva Marie Saint. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> and, and she looks so hot in all and, those movies. And, <laughs> and you know, we, we sat down and tasted with Eva and Bill and really wanted it to reflect uh, her personality, who she is, the vineyard itself. They have a home up there. And... Um, Brian can talk a little bit more about the clones and yeah. the fermentations. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's I think this is one of the beautiful. best of the 60. I mean, Bill really likes the Durrell when we did a group tasting the other day. I mean, he loves the 16 Durrell. I think this, this is, is still just one of the beautiful silkiest, fruit. longest yes. finished 
Yeah, this is this good. to me. Has this a... is good stuff. Hey, uh, everybody who's listening, this is one thing you have to do. I don't care what your Mastercard bill looks like. <laughs> you have to call. You have to get online. It's three sticks dot com. Three sticks wines. Three sticks wines dot com, yeah. and that's an easy one. Mm. And uh, you're gonna just order the best stuff you've ever had it's just really nice and like steve said this is we're we're currently in a release that's how we do most of our uh, you know we release half of our wines in the spring and half in the fall and we're right now in in our fall release where you can get on the list and and order wines the, now and right get on the list get in the wine club because the wine club gets the good stuff you. first yeah guarantees you these wines. first yeah. oh, and sometimes wine clubs the Wine club members are the only ones to receive some of our wines wine. have already sold out. So if you so. want special stuff, yeah. and to a certain degree, you know, this was special because I could hear Brian swishing away. <laughs> Means he really liked it's this true. and he was trying to get the full flavors here. Yeah, none of the three sticks wines are wines that I'm I'm um, drinking mindlessly. All of these wines are ones that I'm I'm in the moment when I'm drinking them because. There's some there's some times where you just want to pound something, um, um, you know, a can no. of rosé on your way to the Giants game or something on the ferry, <laughs> the grocery but, um, store, and, right? An eight dollar um, Grenache, you yeah. Know. But um, oh man, there's nothing like beautiful Chardonnay and Pinot um, made by obviously talented people, and getting them here from uh, from where we live. Um, and site specific. I mean, this is a, this is a beautiful yeah. Pinot. Ryan, Bob, you guys have incredible jobs. Thank you for doing what you do. It is yeah. so appreciated by so many people. Um, I hope you grow, and I hope that our listeners call in and buy wine. Uh, it, that certainly has happened for most people who have been on the show. <laughs> yeah, I can I can absolutely, absolutely guarantee yeah. that. So and thanks and, for having us. Yeah, yeah and yeah. thank you to to Misfits too. You know, the radio, radio Misfits. Misfits. Oh yeah, you uh, know I follow uh, them on Twitter, and I just I love the post, and I love to go back and listen to the <laughs> podcast, and it's really it's a really fun and interesting. Um, way to get information to learn about what's going on around the world actually yeah. and, and, and around you, us you look you know? back and we this is episode 64 and you can go back and you can find all these different things it was just from last year and uh the, the you know i mean we we get uh a lot of nice feedback and people are it's interesting uh sam even got a, a note from some guy in Shanghai, mm -hmm. coming to Sonoma, need to book, listen to the podcast. Yeah. You know, it's like, That's wow, great. it works. So. Well, and, you know, I know John has probably talked about it, but two of our favorite shows, actually, Bob, were with uh, having you on the show. That was so much. I had, yeah. a, I had a great time. Um, really and, and, I, and I know Sam feels the same way, that it's, it's just rare to meet someone um, that you admire that's so talented um, but is such a down-to-earth, real person um that Thanks. that we um that we all sort of aspire to be we we, well, yeah. we you know after those <laughs> after those shows we all kind of looked at each other and went 
And we kind of wish we were Bob. <laughs> we all want to be Bob. He's, he's doing what we wish we could be doing. And and um, well, you can be Bob Cabral and buy vans. You know, <laughs> you can be Bob Cabral for a day. You know, that's yeah. the idea. Do a promo yeah, right. on that. Yeah. No, but just we wear vans. We we really appreciate that um, that you're here in our community. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I I this is my home. I, yeah. I love Sonoma, and it's yeah. uh, just everything it about it. The people. Uh, the culture. It's just, I it, seriously uh, am just grateful to, to be a part of all of this. I, I, and I mean that sincerely. I, we live in one of the most spectacular places in the world. And I've, we've yeah. been fortunate to travel uh, around the world quite a bit. Yeah, when you jobs. go to France on your uh, cooperage uh, trip <laughs> next trip, time, yeah. 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 just book me along. Okay, okay. I'll carry and the Steve, uh, carry Steve the will Steve Steve. Steve. carry the equipment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, quite frankly, uh, the stuff is portable. Brian, you want to go too? Uh, honest to God. John, <laughs> just do wherever it. Bob goes, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, listen. Uh, uh, we're whoa hour and a half so that's a nice long show okay um first of all i want to thank three sticks in general uh and everybody who put this together i want to thank steve so much for being such a great host and uh ryan pritchard and bob cabral uh, the winemakers i know you have a team behind you but i'm just calling you that uh for now thank you so much for making this is beautiful product. Oh, okay. uh, and I really want to thank Marsha. I, I, I just, you know, we've never had, we've never recorded a tasting before. So it should be a new thing. Yeah, it's fun. I think this would be great. <laughs> I, I think you could really, I, I think it'd be good for the community. So if you, yeah, I, I'm glad we're very honored to be the first, but I think you have some, <laughs> some other fun ones to do too. So. Brian, I always ask you for any last words. Um, well, you know, I always love to uh, uh, give little shout outs to some of the people in the community that support us and that we support. Always uh, Todd Jolly at Sonoma's Best. Um, for Great guy. For oh, man. Just doing an incredible service to the community by stocking those incredible, not just local wines, but, um, you know, from Spain and France. And sometimes we want to we wanna branch out and try something a little bit different. Um, but he's always got the best of the best uh, here locally. Um, shout out to the Rhone Room um, for carrying some of my favorite wines. Uh, yes. Um, Just was down there last week and yeah. got a beautiful bottle. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm a huge supporter of Bottle Barn because I love buying uh, buying wines there. I, for me, it's like, a, it's like a toy store for adults. <laughs> it is. I mean, when you walk into these, these all these places that I'm actually talking about, it's, it's, it's a toy store for adults where you walk in and you want every single thing that's on the There's shelf. There's nothing Just like, wrong with that. <laughs> it's Christmas all year There's round at Bottle Barn. And like Bob was saying, you know, I, I think growing up here, you, a lot of times you don't um, appreciate or recognize where you're living. And it, it t- just takes a little time of uh, doing some traveling around and talking to some people from different parts of the world and, and seeing their reaction when you tell them where you're from and you get that, oh, look in your eyes where, right. that, that oh, we sort man. of expect. You know, right. when someone says, oh, I live in Paris and we kind of go, oh, that Paris. sounds great, <laughs> Paris in springtime. Well, <laughs> a lot of people in the world, that's how they feel about Sonoma and, and Northern California and San Francisco. And, we're just blessed to be here, and um, um, thanks for the opportunity to open up your doors today for us and uh, let us try some wines. Thanks I'm sorry coming. that I was a little bit late. I wish I would have got here at the beginning, but it sounds like Marsha did a good job um, uh, taking over for uh, 
for me. <laughs> she sure did. But yeah. hey, there's nothing you know like the team anyway. Yeah. So uh, nonetheless, hey everybody, thanks for listening. We are the winemakers, Brian Casey, my close friend, Bob Cabral, and Ryan Pritchard, Steve, Marsha Maycumber. Thank you so much for coming, and everybody, you've been listening to the winemakers, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Okay.